Okay, it's Colossians uh, chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Thank you so much, uh, Viola. Yeah, great sharing, hey? What, what an incredible interview and testimony. So we appreciate that. Sorry, there's someone's... That's yours. You'll need your Bible, Venus. Okay, um, if you have your Bibles on your phone or uh, elsewhere, please um, yeah, make sure you keep them on or turn to Colossians, uh, and we'll be looking at chapter 2. So uh, we do have um, English Bibles if you need it. Just grab them out the front in the foyer. Uh, I won't look if you want to go right now and grab it. Otherwise, um, please um, turn it on on your phones, and we're going to listen to what God has to say to us. Uh, thank you for praying as well for uh, our family. Uh, it's great to be back. Uh, we had the joy of house-sitting last uh, past two weeks. Um, so we did visit uh, uh, a few other gospel-preaching churches, um, but there is no place like home. So uh, let's pray and ask God to help us this afternoon. Thank you so much, Lord, uh, for this reminder uh, from your word that we can walk in the fullness of Jesus Christ. Do help us now as we hear from your word to be rooted and built up in the gospel instead of other uh, empty ways. Would you help us as we listen to your word, as we try to understand what you have for us? Apply it to our hearts, please, today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, let me share with you the stories of two friends I've been praying for recently. Uh, so... Uh, this is I, I've just changed the name. Uh, I has been faithfully attending her local church since she became a Christian. But over the past few years, um, I has become more and more involved in an online fellowship. Uh, they call it a Bible fellowship, but actually they spend most of their time talking about how a Chinese woman is Christ of the last days and almighty God. So look, in truth, I has doubts, but her days are so filled uh, with following the instructions of her leaders, messaging anyone she can think of to invite them to join her online classes. So I've been praying for I. 
Uh, in contrast, uh, let me tell you also about Rick. Uh, Rick, uh, not from this church, don't worry. Rick is a key leader in his local church. He loves telling people about Jesus, like we just heard, seeing their eyes light up because of what Christ has done for them on the cross. And yet in the past year or so, uh, Rick's service to the Lord feels like it comes out of a pressure to perform in front of others. Uh, actually, Rick can't remember the last time he enjoyed reading his Bible or praying to God in secret. And lately, Rick's become filled, uh, but filled with frustration when he thinks about what's not right about his own church family. A sister filled with false teaching, a brother filled with discontent. Um, their names are different to what I've said, but what their stories have in common is summed up in one word, lack. Lack. They are people like us who have I've heard about Jesus, perhaps for many years, but struggle to experience fullness in the Christian life. They are, they're filled, their lives are filled, and yet they lack purpose, peace, security. And if we're honest, perhaps this is our experience, right, from time to time. If we can be honest, let's say if uh, this church, a piece of BC was a fridge, we're kind of like empty milk cartons sometimes. Uh, if this was a petrol station, we're the ones pulling in with uh, the fuel light uh, flashing. We are people whose homes, our wallets, our schedules, they can be filled, and yet we still lack joy, contentment, something else. Look, over the summer, um, if you've been around, uh, we've been hearing lots of wisdom for the heart, haven't we? Honest truths from God's word. Uh, we've thought about the dustiness of uh, our lives through the psalmist, Psalm 90. Uh, we've sighed with the preacher on New Year's Day in Ecclesiastes 11 to 12. Uh, with uh, Pastor Albert, we were dreaming with Jacob uh, when he was at Bethel. And last week, Kame uh, reminded us to watch with Jesus, right, as he showed great wisdom, willingly taking a sinful woman's guilt and shame upon himself. And so this afternoon, uh, the wisdom for the heart I want to share comes from the book of Colossians, what we just heard Viola read. And Colossians is a wonderful letter, uh, four chapters long. Perhaps if we were to sum up the message of this letter, it could be this. All treasure and wisdom and fullness comes through Jesus, the fullness of God. All treasure and wisdom and fullness comes through Jesus, the fullness of God. Right. This, this letter is all about fullness and who has it for us. To those who are reading this letter who felt lacking, the Apostle Paul, a servant of Christ, himself lacking all kinds of comforts, right? He's writing from prison. He prayed, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, that they might be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Can you see that? To a church searching for wisdom, for knowledge, uh, the Apostle Paul wants to point us to Jesus. And in chapter 2, verse 1 to 5, uh, perhaps when you heard Viola read it, I wonder if you noticed um, in her reading that the word wisdom appeared, didn't it? Uh, which verse was it? Verse 3, Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So in Christ, hidden in him is wisdom for our hearts, for the heart. Look, like us, the Colossian church had received Christ Jesus, the Lord. 
We don't have a record of the Apostle Paul visiting this church in the book of Acts that we heard last year. But it's most likely he and his friends um, would have interacted, met brothers and sisters from this part of Asia Minor. If you remember, there was a three-year period that um, the Apostle Paul and his friends were hanging out in Ephesus, right, a major city, and Colossae was uh, in one of the cities nearby. And so look, Paul would have understood their situation well enough. What they needed to remain strong in. He knew that they needed to not shift from the hope of the gospel that they'd heard. And so he uses the word full and fullness and fill over and over again through this short letter to remind them that fullness is found in Christ alone. And we see that defending this truth, this hope, is part of Paul's great struggle for them, right? Look at verse 1, how hard he contends for them, and even for the brothers and sisters in Laodicea. And so verse 6 to 7 is what we want to zoom in for, just for the next few minutes that we have together. I want to suggest we lean into these verses and the following and apply this wisdom to our hearts as we start a new year together. And some of you might be pretty smart. You would have noticed that actually these same verses, verse 6 to 7, uh, are hanging here, right behind me, right on the wall. Okay, we love our banners, don't we, PCBC, right? Uh, who remembers the one on the far left, right? I don't even think the English works well. You know, what's treasure, the past, trot, the future mean? Um, and then I don't know if you remember posting a post-it on the other one. Uh, it seems like every year, right, new year, new banner, right? Uh, one of the most noticeable things, actually, about our church, I wonder if it's your first time, right? You walk in, you're, why is there a banner, you know? And why is it in Chinese and English? What's going on? Uh, shows up on every live stream. Actually, um, I think one of my kids recently was like, immediately noticed when the new one came up, Dad, there's a new banner. Uh, look, I asked Pastor Albert, why do we have banners? And he just said, well, they've just had banners since I joined 20 years ago, and so we just keep doing them. I think perhaps, in one sense, putting things on banners reflects uh, a bit of our church's cultural heritage, right? So there's a lot of people from Chinese backgrounds here. You step into an Asian restaurant, you'll notice a few banners on their walls too. Um, this is at uh, one of the local libraries we visited while I was on holiday. Look, as was all things, right, what's not explained can get ignored, and what's ignored can perhaps get misunderstood. So I think it's worth it, right? Let's explain the banner a little bit. Right? Let's apply this wisdom uh, to our hearts. So let's have a listen again, verse 6. Uh, have a read with me, verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. This is the new year. Let's be courageous for a moment, okay? I'm going to ask you to do something really dangerous. You're going to have to turn to someone next to you or near you. You might have to open your Bibles and, and ask this question, what's the so then, the therefore, what's the therefore, therefore, okay? I'll give you 30 seconds, just turn to someone next to you. What's the therefore, or the so then, what's, what's, that, what's the so then referring to? So, have a go, have a go, talk to each other. <laughs> okay, I'd love to hear someone's um, uh, thoughts. Anyone? Brave enough, new year, new you, be courageous. What is, what's so then referring to? Just feel free to shout out. Anyone? Have a guess. Yep. Go for it, song. Yep, you've pointed, someone's pointed to you. All right, have a go. So then, Neil. Yeah. 
yeah, where'd you get that from? Or like, you know, what, what brought it that to mind? I think it's a great answer. Yeah, okay, so you looked at the next verse and you saw, right? Okay, rooted and built up in him. Okay, fantastic, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Anyone else? No? Okay, all right. Uh, that's a great answer, okay? Uh, he's basically referring to the gospel that, um, uh, that he's received. And actually, we see the verse before, verse 5, tells us, okay? Paul's actually responding to the good order, how firm their faith in Christ is, right? You see that in verse 5. He's, in other words, he's actually saying this. I'm so pleased at how firm a foundation Jesus is to you. And so therefore, as you receive Jesus, keep living in him. All right? Keep living in him. Actually, the word in the original language, um, there, um, some of your translation might say, walk in him. When our Lord Jesus called Peter and Andrew to follow him, he didn't just say, say a prayer and go back to your old life, right? He said, follow me. All right? To follow Jesus, you had to walk in his footsteps, to leave your old life behind. To follow Jesus, you needed to learn up close from his actions, his, his life, what he taught, how he lived. That's a powerful picture, isn't it, of life as a disciple of the Lord Jesus. I think notice too, uh, in this verse, verse 6, notice how closely God's word relates receiving Christ Jesus to walking in him. The two go together. Okay? If you've ever been taught that you become a Christian through Jesus, but you stay a Christian through something else, your own efforts, a different belief, okay? Some secret teaching. Surprise. Paul says no. You never move on from the gospel. The key to your life as a Christian from start to finish is, surprise, Christ himself. Not tradition, not a particular teacher or YouTuber, not a certain experience or a secret insight. To be in Christ is what brings you salvation, and it is the most important identity you need for your whole life. So walk in Christ. And now you might want to ask me, you know, what does it look like to walk in Christ? Um, that's what the whole letter of the Colossians lays out, right? So. If you're brave and you read the rest of Colossians, you'll see chapters 3 and 4. Flesh out life in Christ, walking in Christ, in the nuts and bolts, right? In marriage, in, in family, in our workplaces, how we pray, how we manage our time, and so on. But I think it's important to realize before Paul gets into all the practical instructions, in verse 7 here, he reminds us it starts with being rooted in Christ first. You see that? Rooted and built up in him, verse 7 says, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Okay, again, it's a new year. Let's be courageous. Turn to the person next to you. You've now established a rapport so you can do this more quickly. What's the faith that you've been taught in verse 7 referring to? How would you explain it to each other? What's that talking about? Have a go. Ask someone, hey, person next to you, what's the faith as you were taught mean? And have a go at explaining it. Go, go for it. Another 30s. And Gary's formulating the answer. He's thinking as he's speaking. He's nearly got it. Yeah. Someone else? Someone, someone have a go? Friend, you can do it. 
Courageous. Courageous. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. As you were taught. Okay. Um, you have to read the whole of Colossians so that, that he lays out who Jesus is and what he uh, did for us. All right, in chapter, end of chapter one. Um, thank you for that. That's the faith we've been taught, isn't it? Okay. I wonder if you said to each other, the faith, is it maybe you've heard other explanations of what the Christian faith is? I mean, is the Christian faith God wants you to be healthy and comfortable? I'm not sure. Is the faith you've been taught to be a good person and God will reward you? I don't think so. Uh, is the faith you've been taught God saved you, but now you need to earn his love back? I don't think so. All right. Can I suggest each of those examples misunderstands the faith that's been taught here in the Bible? And the gospel, God's grace for us through Jesus, should be what is the root of our Christian life. And so, Paul has explained the gospel, okay? He explains it earlier in Colossians 1, 19 to 22. But you can see it laid out, can't you? In Christ, right, the one who is before all things, who created everything and everyone, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in. In Christ, God has reconciled, made right to himself all things. In Christ, God makes peace through the blood of his cross. And through Christ, we who are enemies of God are restored in fellowship, in relationship, through the death of his perfect son. Through Christ, we are declared holy, even though we don't deserve it. We are declared unblemished and blameless. We definitely don't deserve that. That's good news, isn't it? It's incredible news. It's, it's news worth sharing to people on the street, to our friends and family. So how firm is our faith in this good news? If this is new to you, maybe you're listening on the live stream now or later, can I encourage you? If this is not something that you already believe, please, would you dig deeper into this truth about Jesus? Let one of us here introduce Jesus to you. Maybe come up afterwards. I'd love to give you a Bible. We have lots of them. Or maybe just this short book here with the essentials about Jesus. Or you could come along and chat uh, with us in a smaller setting, maybe on a Wednesday night group or join one of the groups here after the service over snacks, hopefully. Take a next step in following Jesus. But for most of us, if the gospel is meant to be the root of our Christian life, then we dare not move from it and think, well, let's, I know it now, let's move on to other things. And we must not assume the gospel. I wonder if someone shook you while you were asleep, you know? Hey, what's the gospel? What's the faith that you were taught? Could you, in your half-awakened state, say, yeah, I know the gospel, it's Christ died for my sins. Or would you be caught unawares? unable to defend, to declare the faith that you were taught. Have a look at verse 6 again of uh, chapter 2. All right, look again. Every word is important, okay, in Scripture. He's not Christ Jesus as the backup file in your life. It's not Christ Jesus as the insurance policy. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, does not say that, as Lord. 
maybe all your life you've heard that the gospel is what gets you and me into God's kingdom, but then the rest is up to us now, hard work. I've certainly been taught that before. That's the gospel of Abuela, right, from Encanto, right? We got the miracle, now we've got to earn it for the next generation. No. These verses are saying Christ is not the front door. He is the whole house. These verses are saying the gospel is not just for non-Christians out there that we share it to. Preach it to yourself because you need it to every day. His grace saves us. It empowers us. His grace will complete us. But only if we go back to the gospel again and again and are a church that does this. That's the picture that we see, isn't it, in verse 7? Rooted and built up and strengthened. All right? There's a few mixed metaphors here. Paul could be talking about trees or he could be talking about buildings. It doesn't matter. But he says as we are rooted in Jesus, we're going to grow and flourish in him, the true vine. And he's saying as Christ is our firm building foundation, we are going to be built up in him into a beautiful dwelling place for God's spirit. This is what is called being centered on the gospel. The gospel should change every part of your life and my life. At times I feel I lack, I need to go back to the gospel first. Remember Christ. I lack, I feel I lack, yet he lacked willingly his whole life. He emptied himself, Philippians 2.7, to take on the form of a servant for me. I lack, well, I don't truly lack because he has sealed and filled me with his Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1.13. I lack nothing, the Lord's my shepherd. Is that true for you? And then we apply it to our life and our situations when there's a conflict and, or a relationship struggle and other arguments about to bubble to the surface in your family. Remember Jesus. Let his peace, Colossians 3.15, rule over, be Lord over my heart. Let him fill you and change your attitude to your loved one. When I'm about to say something harsh to one of my kids, right, true story, I need to remember Christ and bring his love and encouragement to them instead, instead of my sinful grumpiness or whatever else. Because Jesus, friends, is incredible. He fills every lack that we have. He has bought us at such a cost. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, walk in him. Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. That's a good banner verse for us, is it not? PCBC. And let me just close by following Paul's conversation to the Colossians. All right, in the next few verses, I want to suggest that there are two benefits, two results of being built up in Jesus as PCBC English. And I hope these two benefits are benefits you want in your life this coming year. The first benefit, the first joy of being gospel-centered like Paul wants us to be is that we are abundantly thankful. You notice that little hanger-on phrase at the end of verse 7, okay? Rooted and built up in him, and then it says, just as you were taught in the faith, abounding, right? Overflowing with thankfulness is what it says here. 
I mean, think of Rick, right, that discipleship group leader. He's gone down the slippery slope of discontentment. Ah, they don't come. Ah, they have all these problems. How would you encourage him? At the close of verse 7, he says, overflowing with thankfulness is the result of being gospel-centered. So I wonder, Paul might ask Rick, Rick, brother, we know the gospel, so what are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? Maybe that can be the question we ask each other, or especially someone who needs the encouragement. Look, I'm convinced we're not a perfect church, right? Uh, I know we're not a perfect church. Do you know why? Because I'm a member of this church, so I bring all my faults, my failures to it. But if you can't think, if I can't think of one thing to be thankful for about this church family, then it might be a sign that you've forgotten the gospel that has saved us, and that should produce overflowingness in our lives, overflowing thankfulness in our lives. And so we need to go back to Jesus, see what he did for us, and then be built up in him until we're overflowing with thankfulness, even for our church family. Look, to be thankful is not just a self-help tip, okay? It's actually God's will for us. First Thessalonians 5.18, right? Be thankful in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Amazing, right? right? I know God's will for your life. Be thankful. And I get it. We're a cross-cultural church here, okay? There are all kinds of unique challenges. How do we invite our Kiwi friends and family into an English service of a Chinese Baptist church? Oh, that's a mouthful. Have a go. But it's hard, isn't it? Or we think about our wider church family. How do we sow the seeds of faith into the next generation, right? When their parents don't speak English very well, so we can't talk with them very well. Maybe the kids don't get to come here because it's, you know, 4.30 and they don't come um, twice in a day. What's going to happen? How do we bridge those gaps? We have lots of questions, don't we, in a church like ours? There are all kinds of challenges. But if you get into the habit of only dwelling on our weaknesses, oh, we can't do this because we're like this. Oh, it's so hard because of this. That can be a breeding ground for discontent. It will become the opposite of what Paul wants us as gospel-centered people, to be overflowing with thankfulness. Yes, thankfulness for even this precious group of people here. Listen to Daniel. Daniel is a pastor of a church like ours, and he writes about the immigrant church he pastors, and he says it this way, there is much to be thankful for in the immigrant church. I have found it helpful to reflect on how intentional our church is in in reaching Chinese immigrants, right? That's his context. He says, too, I've benefited of the wisdom of older first-generation believers. They provide a different yet still godly perspective on issues ranging from Western values to the family to the church. He says, too, I've been humbled by the sacrifices many immigrants have made for their faith and their loved ones. I like what he says. Our church building may not have the best signage for the latest tech, but we have skilled cooks and a great kitchen. I'm still waiting for Uncle Ben to come back with um, more Hong Kong milk tea after church one day. Right. I should give him a call sometime, see, see what we can arrange this year. Look, but PCBC friends, don't get hung up about bilingual banners. 
Don't get discontented about whether our production quality matches the other churches down the road. And don't be discouraged when people come and go from our family. Because there is no lack among us that Jesus, our Lord, cannot fill. Here among us are God's precious people, rooted in Christ, built up in him through the gospel, and for that we can be overflowing with thankfulness. Amen? Amen. And secondly, I think we see uh, in verses 8 to 10, and I'll just touch on it very briefly, we can be watchful and filled as we walk in Christ, as we're rooted in the gospel as a family. Right, because think back to I, right, our sister, caught up in the teachings of a group called Eastern Lightning. Sounds fun. It's not an NBA team. It's actually a cult. Uh, they span the universe anxiously uh, to tell you about their saviour, who is not Jesus. Uh, but there's not just I. Think about N, um, another brother. Um, actually, uh, this one, but closer to home, friend of a friend. I'm still pleading for God to release this brother from the grip of Shinchonji. Well, we think of the door knockers that we get sometimes. Uh, we got one recently last year from the World Society Mission of God. Uh, again, a cult. They used to worship up the street uh, in Pakaranga from us. So many flavors of deception uh, in our world today. Cults. And yet, speaking of cults, there's also my other brother. He's caught up in the cult of Instagram. Scrolling alone. But every react gives him life or death to his self-worth. Or my sister, whose testimony I heard recently, she was caught up in the cult of career. And her job loss, she was sharing, devastated her so much it made her question even whether her life was worth living. Cults, so many flavors of deception. Look, Paul does not in this letter, you notice, spell out every kind of superstition or worldview, or teaching that the Colossians were tempted by. But in verse 8 to 10, he does spell out the ultimate solution, does he not? Literally, he says, watch, see to it. See to it that nothing other than Jesus captures you. Because in Christ is all fullness, and you've been brought to fullness in him, right? See that? And in Christ, verse 10, you have been brought to fullness. Any teaching or religion or worldview or way of life that takes you further away from Jesus is a deceptive cult. Let's call it what it is. It cannot fill you forever. I'm so sorry to tell you this, but it's true. So don't chase it. Don't chase it. Because Paul says you'll either be captivated by the fullness of Christ or you'll be captivated by the hollowness, the emptiness of something else. There's two ways to live. And so the way to be watchful, says Paul, is not just to memorize facts about false religions, false prophets over the past 2,000 years, right? I'll leave that to the Bible scholars. What you need to do is to be captivated by the fullness of Christ this year. Maybe, friends, ask yourself, Take an honest look. What human traditions and principles am I leaning on in my life instead of delighting in Jesus directly, going to the source of true delight through his word, through prayer? 
Ask yourself, what empty cult am I drawing my identity and, and worth from instead of Jesus as Lord? Be courageous again. Take a moment. Get your Bibles out. Next to verse 8. Write down, type it in. What is the empty cult that you need to move away from and turn to Jesus? And then maybe underline verse 10 too, right? And your hearts, on your screens, whatever. In Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Maybe this year, PCBC, maybe being captivated by Jesus means you will take up the different opportunities to be built up in him here at this church. It could be committing to journey with brothers and sisters week after week, even here, right? What a victory, right, against the enemy to have God's people faithfully gather week after week, despite all the cults and worldviews and pleasures of this world. Maybe it's intentionally asking one or two people outside of your friend group, would you like to read the Bible together over coffee, over snacks? Maybe you could read Colossians, right? It's a great book so far. Read it together. Pray about it. Maybe take this, what you've learned. Go with it. Go through this book passage by passage in your existing friend groups, small groups, whatever. Because we marvel. We marvel at the brother in Christ we know who is gracious under pressure. We're amazed at the sister we read about who's willing to suffer under oppressive governments than deny Jesus. But remember that all this is the fruit, not the root of walking in Jesus. Colossians reminds us, as we center our lives around the gospel, the good news about Jesus, as we're built up in him, we'll be abundantly thankful in all situations, and we will become watchful as filled people in Christ. So whatever you feel you lack this coming year, remember this. When you're captivated by Christ, everything will follow. Holiness, maturity, fullness, and joy. Our legal name as a church may say, Pakaranga Chinese Baptist Church. But built up in him, maybe we can be precious children built in Christ. Let's pray. Oh Lord God, we confess our weakness and we turn to you. We confess our lack and we want to walk in the fullness of your son Jesus. Help us to be rooted and built up in the gospel instead of all the empty ways we've been chasing. We lift this new year to you as your people and I ask you to bless the word that we've just heard into our lives. We pray all these things in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.